OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Koigig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Top pocket goal! It's what dreams are made of. They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. My name is Kathleen McNamee and as ever I am joined by former Ireland internationals Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne. The WSL season hasn't quite started up yet but we decided that we wanted to give you a little something to tie you over until that does actually come back. So we have a special episode coming to you this week with Reading captain and Scotland international Emma Mitchell. Now she has been around for a long time. She has played with our very own Emma Byrne. They even roomed together back in the day. Um, But in the last year, she had a baby and she returned football after having her baby. And she wanted to talk about that experience, what it's like to be a pregnant woman in women's football at the moment, and also what it's like to recover and come back both physically and mentally. Uh, It's such a good chat and definitely something that, you know, should be paid attention to in the league because she raises some really interesting points. Now we are very lucky to be joined on the podcast this week by Reading and Scotland's Emma Mitchell, who is a, a dear friend to many on this podcast. Uh, I was saying to Emma Byrne earlier that I was watching old videos of the two of you guys when you first moved in together, I think it was, doing quizzes and you don't Did even... Did they have think- videos back then or was it... Um, I'm pretty sure... Stop. You're, of course they did. Mitch is only a young and she's only spring chicken, which I, I mean, I was just about to <laughs> <tire>, but... <laughs> um, but thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Emma, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. All good. How have you found this season so far? Obviously, we're going to get into a bit later in the podcast that you just came back recently from having a very gorgeous baby, which uh, Catherine, our producer, and I were cooing over in the office earlier with the photos. Absolutely stunning. But how have you found the season just generally so far? Um, I mean, it's been pretty difficult, to be honest with us. Like, we're sitting, I think, setting bottom of the league, so I think we've got seven points, maybe. So I think that's probably going to be enough for us to stay, stay up, which is good. Like, when... We spoke at the start of the season and basically it says to us that like we just need to survive and stay in the league. So for us to have like seven points on the board, then we've obviously beat Leicester. Um, then that, like, at least that's looking positive. But again, it's quite hard some weeks going on knowing that you're going to get beat again at the weekend. But um, like, that's all right. Like, it's, it's been fine. What was the general chat like, I suppose, with the season wrapping up? Was it kind of a thing of saying to the players, you know, okay, we have some time off now. The next games aren't until like halfway to January. This is time to kind of like mentally get yourself into a good place for the second half of the season so that you can push on. There has been some interesting results for you guys as well. You know, it hasn't all been bad. I think um, this has kind of been like a bad time for us to have the break, to be honest, because even though that, I mean, we got beat for Chelsea and stuff last weekend, but the performance I thought probably in the second half, like there's been loads of positives to take like in the recent couple of weeks. So I think for us, it's been like bad timing almost with the Christmas break. Um, But at the same time, like it is nice because, I mean, you've been in since like the middle of July. So like that's been 
however many months that is. So you're like you are ready to like kind of switch off again. But at the same time, like you say that, but you still got to do some training and that over the Christmas break and stuff as well. So it's not like you just get to like do nothing for like two weeks sort of stuff. But I mean, it'd be good to just not have to drive to Reading every day and get home and see the fam for a bit as well. And was that a big transition from you, say, going from Arsenal, who were title winners, to a club that are just looking to survive? Was that a shift in mentality for you or were you just happy to do that challenge? Was it the same? You apply yourself the same? I think the hardest thing when it comes to stuff like that is like the players that you then play me, like you can't say nothing to any of the girls in the team because they just cry. Whereas like you're used to like a team like Arsenal, like people shouting again, like demanding more of you because that's just the level. Whereas like I find it hard going into training and still trying to keep your own standards like really, really high and demand more of our players without crossing the line because you're just not really sure how like certain players are going to react because they're just never used to it. They've never been in that winning environment and knows what it takes. So like then it's difficult to then raise the standards and keep demanding more of players when it's hard because sometimes you're like, if they're actually given the best level, is this like what they're at? Or are they just like they just didn't know what it takes? So mm-hmm. I think that that's definitely been a difficult transition, I think, when it comes to that side of stuff. But um Yeah, but no, this, this is the new uh generation. Is that generational more than I don't know, maybe it could be like it's like it is one of the hangs like it totally is. I mean, even when I go to games and I look at goalkeepers, it doesn't matter where, like with Barca or in the WSL, I'm looking at the goalkeepers and they're quiet. I'm like why are you not giving her an absolute, I'm not going to say the word, she's like messed up three times in a row. I'd be taking her head off and they don't say anything. They're so nice. And I'd say it to some of the keepers I know. Why don't you like have a go at them for doing that? And they're like, well, what's the point? They know they've made a mistake. I'm like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I could have been a little bit like that. that. But I think it's just the generation. It's just how it's going this this new coaching system as well. It's all about, you know, trying to lift them up and trying to to take care of them rather than the way we would have known the managers going mental at us for making a mistake. It's how it's going. Mm. This new FA DNA as well. This is what it's all about. Right, okay. <laughs> and when it comes to that as well, though, like sometimes like when I'm sitting in pleasure, you know, speaking to each other because you know got the confidence to do it or like do you know actually know what to say? You know what I mean? Like sometimes, like especially when it comes to goalies and that, I'm like, why are you know demanding through your back like to get up or like to go? Like, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't know if people watch football anymore in the same way as maybe that we used to doing that as well. Like when I asked the girl, I was like, what did you just do last night? They're like, I'm like, did you just watch the game? They're like, nah, we didn't even really watch football. Like, I'm like, all right, like it's your job. It's so true. One of the first things, uh, like when I started, was that the coaches always said, you have to be a student of the game. You have to study football. And I was like, I was a bit like them. I was like, no, no, I want to go out with my mates. I don't want to watch that game. But it's true. You have to watch it and you have to watch people in your position. And and a lot of players don't do that anymore. A lot of them don't. Yeah, you're right. Has taken on the captaincy given you any sort of like, I don't know, higher voice or uh, an ability to maybe approach players a bit more about this sort of thing? Um, To be honest, I was really surprised that I got given that because I think when it comes to like me on a day-to-day, like I'm actually pretty, because like obviously I have to drop in a sofa at nursery and then go in and stuff, like I didn't really have like that much time. Like I wouldn't necessarily say like I spend a lot of time with the girls away if you've been like in the gym or on the pitch and stuff like I end up doing more gym sessions in the afternoon because I've got to leave by quarter to three to get back and picking us up for nursery so I think the reason that she probably gave me is just probably because 
the way that I train and I try and carry myself and do things like the right way and stuff, like probably more so for that rather than actually being on the pitch, like shouting at people because you didn't really get a reaction for them anyway. So like you kind of waste your time sometimes when it is like that. Um, and I think when it comes to stuff like that, that really probably has to start for the coaches and that as well. Like you can't be like the player that's shouting at, like your head off on the pitch at players when you didn't really get that for the coaching staff. So I would never want to come across like is that like a bully or whatever because you end up getting like branded that as well when like you start um, demanding for players that maybe didn't didn't realise like what it takes. So no, I definitely say I would be I'm pretty calm to be honest. <laughs> and you mentioned obviously that it was a bit of a surprise getting it because you are so busy and you do have your hands full. For anyone who maybe doesn't know your story and listens to the podcast, could you explain about the the last few months to a year that you've had, which has been pretty pretty hectic, but I imagine pretty special as well. Um, well, I probably in the last like year it's just been really busy, but no, we had a baby. Um, basically, COVID happened, our wedding got cancelled. So we just thought like we've got like this kind of like this time frame basically that because we knew that we were going to the Euros as well with the national team that we were just like, right, let's just have like try and have a baby and literally like just happened really, really quickly. And then nine months later, Ennis was born. So um, I think I went back just to start the pre-season there. So I hadn't really even like run or anything before that. I had like a bit of an issue actually just like with my pelvic floor and stuff. So I had to get that sorted before I could go back. So I've only actually really been run- running and back playing since I started pre-season. So when I think about, like if I was to look back at this year, I probably didn't really give myself enough credit to be like, this is where you're at. Because like, yeah, it's been a massive change, obviously, just for my body, but just family life and your time, like how you've got to manage that, like that's been probably the most challenging bit rather than actually physically being coming back. So no, it's the best thing ever, but it's like, as as tough some days. How long was it between us being born and then you actually getting back on the pitch? What was the time frame for that? Um, wait, I need to count my fingers. December, <laughs> January, February, March, April, May, June, July. So... Like seven and a half months, I think it was by the time that the time that I had then went back, which is insane when you think about it. Like as you say, the changes your body goes through, the intensity of that experience, and even uh, like organizing everything outside of that. You know, just organizing your life—that's an insanely short amount of time to get back on the pitch. Well, isn't it incredible the way Mitchie said? It was more difficult to have her life organized, like dropping in this, blah, 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 than getting physically back to where she wanted to be. I mean, that's incredible for me, where it should be the other way around, really, shouldn't it? Um, I just don't know when it comes to stuff like that. I think because you just go like that, as a footballer, you just think that even if you've got like a long term injury, it's just like, how do you get back onto the pitch as soon as you possibly could? So I think it was just like when I, when I was at training and still is the same now, like you didn't really think about being a mum and that, like the mum side of stuff until you've got to then pick her back up or, or stuff like that. That's when you switch on to being the mum again. So, yeah, I think when you're actually there and you're just at training, you could get, you just think about being a footballer. There's not really that both. So I think that made it easy. And obviously Ivan's like an SNC fitness guy. So he was like, right, get on the bike. Move. <laughs> so, Where are you? All those years ago when you first met. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like it is unbelievable, and I think that's probably why it's important to speak about it because it is doable. Um, just obviously got to have the right support around you, and probably a good club that's going to be patient and give you the the time to get back because it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, and 
training and stuff of getting back that's another thing like an issue that clubs aren't educated in that field are they on how to train um a very new mom to get back to to fitness right it's all still a little bit up in the air well, there's no really like any research on it, especially for like footballers, because I think they've done like a, st- a lot of stuff on like running and just like getting back running. But obviously, we've got as contact then trying to kick a ball at the same time when you've got really weak like pelvic floor and stuff. You basically just pee yourself, girls. I'm not going to lie. Um, so yeah, like we almost like I was quite. We were quite lucky that. Well, I was quite lucky that. We are kind of, because there's no any research, like in every single pregnancy is completely different. If you had the C-section or you had a natural birth or like whatever, or then everybody, like everybody's recovery is going to be so different. So even if there was research, there'd only be so much that is going to be applicable to like you as the returning athlete who's been the mum. So yeah, that was quite tough because every single day it was just like, well, how are you feeling today? Like, you could do this, you could do that. So yeah, there's no really like any like blueprint when it comes to the rehab side of stuff, I think, when it comes to the ton of football anyway. So definitely have to like invest more into that side of the game. Yeah, because you wouldn't have teammates to bounce it off. You're really looking at your friends outside of sport who've gone through it. Like, can't have those chats every day in training. Cause... No, like, literally nobody. Like, I remember when I first went back and I was sitting in the cupboard basically pumping as well because, like, I was still breastfeeding at the time. And, like, just that kind of experience, like, the girls are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I've got to do this. And they're just... I didn't know sometimes they didn't really want to engage in the conversation because you kind of, like, you've, they've not got the experience to even speak about it. So you're just kind of, like... Do, 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 like plodding along yourself just trying to get stuff done mm. how did you find I suppose like the conversations with both the national team and your club like both um, when you became pregnant and being like okay well this is what I need like I, I'm not entirely sure how long you actually played for during your because it was during COVID so was there much of your pregnancy that you were playing or was it pretty much all Um, I think it was a season that we came back after COVID. Um, so I think I played up until I was like eight weeks. I remember playing, we played it. Uh, I never really got morning sickness, but I used to feel really, really sick like later on in the afternoon and we played Bristol away in like a night game. And it was like, I had the pre-match and I was like, oh, like I was literally like run. We ended up getting beat actually that night as well. And I just thought, I can't do this any longer because like you just end up kind of running a bit weird just like oh, I've got a little baby in my belly and like you don't want to get hit and like that's not my game like I like the hip folk so <laughs> yeah like I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 week scan um just because you didn't know what, if everything's going to be all right so that was pretty tough I then did have to tell the coach because I was it was probably no right that I kept it for that long anyway. But at the same time, you didn't really want to... I think at the time in that as well, there was nothing in the contracts to say that if you were pregnant, there was no any support put in place. So I didn't want to tell anybody in case it didn't go down well. Then obviously you're a bit like, well, they can't sack you because you could basically sue them. So I kind of had that on my side, side as well. But no, like they, I mean, I'm not really sure if everybody was buzzing for me, but they obviously said that they were. Um, then after that, I just kind of did my own bit of training which when I look back, it was actually really, really lonely, Like, which is quite quite sad to think about it. But they, you just kind of get left to do your own thing. I think that's another thing. There's not really that much research on that side of stuff to see how much like you can and can't do. So every single day, like I basically just went on the bike. Then when I got too heavy, I just went swimming. And I felt that I had to go to training every day as well, just because they were still paying me. So I felt under pressure to still be at the training ground every single day, like even at like... 40 weeks I was still going in because I just was 
like, well, maybe not actually 40 weeks because I think I broke off 39 maybe and she was two weeks late anyway. So, but yeah, like that was, that. I think that was pretty tough because at least like if you do, like you've got like a long-term injury and that you have like a programme and like there's milestones to hit and like you start progressing and the coaches show a little bit more interest in you because you're closer to being back and like more useful for them. Whereas like you're pregnant and you're out for nine months and probably another, I was seven at the back of that, that you're no good to the team. So you do just kind of get like left to the side and yeah, but I, don't, I mean, everybody would probably be the same. Maybe that's just, or maybe they just didn't like me. I'm not really sure. <laughs> no, it is lonely when you're training on your own, like whether you're injured or not. And because you knew that you weren't coming back anytime soon, that would be mentally difficult for me to have to go in every day and train if I knew realistically I wasn't coming back for over a year later or whatever. That's difficult. No, that was definitely the hardest bit about it. Just trying to like be motivated to still. I knew that if I still kept doing stuff, it'd be easier to get back after giving birth. So, like that was kind of like my motivation as such. But yeah, like it was just the same conversations. Like every single day, you'd go and you do your bike or you'd go do the, the, the pool and do your hundred limbs or whatever it was. I think I swam for like an hour every single day. But then you just be like, this is so tedious. Um, then I broke off hang two weeks before my due date. Then and this was not there for like another month basically after that. So you still kind of want to have like some like normal routine to your life because then everything just get completely changes after that. So I think that was probably why I went in as well alongside like the guilty feeling like I had to be there. Mm. No, that totally makes sense that you would feel like that. And I think it's weird because in the WSL anyways there was kind of like a bigger but still not great conversation around that sort of thing whenever Alex Morgan joined the league and obviously that was just after she had had baby Charlie but before that I can't really remember any massive conversations about it and even you talking about it now it's probably one of the first like proper first-hand accounts I've heard of what it's like having a baby playing in the league having that sense of like guilt over like oh well I should be there because I'm being paid but also I'm kind of lonely and I like the support and of being around people but also I feel like a bit of a spare part on the outside of it as well when you actually had Dennis did you step away from the club for a while like were you just totally wrapped up and being a new mother and getting used to that sort of stuff or like when did it did football start creeping back into your mind I suppose is the best way to put it um no I just totally switched off then I was like I'm just going to be a mum now because I never I really didn't after I had this like I was really wary being like I didn't really want to miss this time just being like a mum because I knew at some point I'd have to go back and she'd go to nursery and it'd have to do like a bit of the both so yeah for the first I remember go, taking her in to red and to let them see her I think after like four months and I thought right maybe like I could st- I maybe start thinking about going back but bear in mind this is only 16 weeks after I gave birth like that was just so stupid but I went and looked at a nursery at this point and I remember going in and like I literally cried when I was there and I phoned Ivan and I was like, I can't do this. Like I can't drop her. Like I can't like leave her yet and go back training. So for me, I'm kind of glad that I'd done that because then I knew at the same time I was like, I wasn't ready like probably more mentally to go back then. Um, but yeah, for definitely for, I mean, probably the first six months I was just at home doing my thing, me and Anas, chilling. Then I was like, right, the new season's going to start coming. Like, I think I could get back and play. So, yeah, probably around the summertime. Probably more so when Ivan's, like, he works in football as well. So when his season finished at the end of 
May time, I think it would have been. I would, like I had like more time because like Ivan was at home and I could get time to myself to then maybe start going and do some more training. Like um, obviously, then I started to run. Then I had the issue with the pelvic floor, so then I had to step back again and make sure that was all fine before I did because obviously if you didn't get sorted, you could have like longer term like women problems down there. So yeah, that was quite a big thing then. Like once that was sorted, they were like, look, green light on you go, you could go back running and training and stuff. I just had to do basically like pelvic floor exercises and like my prehab and that. But um yeah, then it was that back into full training and here I am. <laughs> Doing great. <laughs> and then you said that the kind of tougher part was sorting your life more so than maybe the physical side, which you could kind of treat more like almost coming back from a long-term injury. What what does a, a day that includes, say, like either training or a match look like for you now with the baby? Um, Like I have to set my alarm at like half past six because I need to wake up before Ernest does so I could actually have breakfast and get myself ready. That's if she sleeps until... If she doesn't wake up before that anyway, that's like that's a good sign. That's a good start to the day. Then basically we have to leave here at half seven and drop her off at eight o'clock for our nursery. Then I drive to Redden and usually I'm late every single day because they're caught in M25, so I usually get there for 10 o'clock. Um, then we just have either a morning meeting, training. Then after lunch, we didn't come off the pitch until about quarter to two, so then I have to do a quick gym session if we've got jam. Then after leave the court to free to get back to pick her up at four o'clock, then we come back, then we play for a bit, then have to make the tea, then give her our tea, then put her in the bath, then put her to her bed. And then I didn't actually think I sit down until about seven o'clock at night. Um then I have to be in my bed for nine o'clock to then be able to get a decent sleep and hope that she sleeps the whole night before getting up at half six again. So like it's like full on, but I think you just you just get on with it. Like I just feel like if you speak to any of our like parent and that, they just everybody's the exact same like it's not really any different if you play football or you work in a school or whatever you're just on like this what they call like a hamster wheel that just keeps going and going and going then yeah but the difference with you is sometimes you have to work on Saturday and Sunday so on Sundays for example if Ivan's working as well there there aren't any nurseries open are there what do you do then we just rely on like Ivan's auntie or his mum or something. Like some of the days are tough. Like on a Saturday, if Ivan he's got a game, and he's always off on a Sunday, which is fine. And we usually play on a Sunday, so that's that is alright. Saturdays because the club have basically turned around and told me as well that I can't take us into the training ground, which that's an issue that I'm dealing with through like the PFA and stuff for like more support when it comes to it. That I've had to basically say that if I can't get childcare, I'll not be coming to training. Um, and obviously, like, if, if I can't get Ivan's, someday in Ivan's family to watch her and stuff, like, which is a big ask for them as well, because they've got their own families all working that as well. The last thing they want is probably there's a little baby on, like, your doorstep. But, no, they have been, like, really helpful. But, um, yeah, like, if a Sunday was to come and obviously if Ivan was at work or whatever and I couldn't get childcare, then I'm just, I can't even play that game. So... That's, it's mad to think of, really. It seems kind of archaic, like... That's something you'd hear 50 years ago. We would have thought that the progression of the WSL at this point would be forward thinking in that regard. I feel like, see, when it comes to like the, the whole maternity stuff that they put out with that, it's such like they've put like this policy out, and I feel like there's such a great area, like, and it's basically going to come down to like 
depending on whatever club that you're at. Like if you're at National or a Chelsea or a Man City and that, you've got like loads of money and you've got these great facilities and that, having a baby there's no an issue at all. But I think the lower down the leagues you go and then money comes in and facilities and stuff like that, then it's easier for clubs and CEOs to be like, no, this isn't happening. Um, so I think that when it comes to it, it's almost be like a few, I know like now, like if you were tear your ACL for example and you play it like red and you're going to get looked looked after when it comes to that but I do definitely think that there's still not enough stuff in place to make women feel like that they actually could do it because it's just like a basically they have done like this policy put some in like I mean the policy is only like you only get 14 weeks full pay then you've got to go back to your work like if I was to have a kid now I don't think I'd be able to return after 14 weeks after giving birth because bearing in mind our body is our job so who's even came up with that Surely somebody that's not played football and had a baby. Do you know what I mean? Is that a man? Like, it had to be a man. A man was definitely involved in that. <laughs> so I think there is like that. But, but again, same time, I think it's going to then come down to the clubs. Like I think if, yeah, you're one of the top teams, you're probably going to get looked after. They maybe get a nanny in for you and like things like that. Whereas at the other clubs, they maybe they're just going to say like, well, we can't afford to be doing that. So you're just going to have to have the day off or you're just not going to play that game, which... Then you have to think about well, come the end of the season and getting a new contract, they're going to use that against you. So I don't know. It's quite it's quite hard, isn't it? Like it actually hasn't progressed at all. I mean, it still is a case of do you really want to have a baby or do you want to play football? That's still you know you're still trying to balance that where it, it shouldn't have to balance it. You should be thinking about you know having your baby and still playing football. But it's it's really difficult to do, especially if you don't have a support network around you as in your family and it's always different isn't it when it's your mom that's around or your yeah, sister oh cool, yeah mm-hmm. husband's family it's difficult to ask uh, the husband's family but yeah it still is that's that question do you want to have a baby or do you want to play football like and it shouldn't be I think especially like as well when there's more and more like foreign players coming to play in England like say like like nobody's going to then go and I mean, I probably, I mean, here I am because actually this is in my country and you have married here. So, like, <laughs> but I, I can't imagine like many foreign players are then going to come to England and live happily ever after. They'd probably be like, I'm going to go back home and have kids. So, maybe that's the, the reason the FA's not really put so much stuff in. But I don't know. I just don't think it's good enough. And is there a reason why you can't take Innes into the club with you? Like, is it a, just a policy, a general one they have, or is there more specific reasoning behind it? They basically had said that it was a club policy and that they didn't have the right insurance to cover in case anything was to happen. But I just feel like that's a bit of a cop out, to be honest, because they know that they know that the men didn't have to take their kids in because they're. In, I don't know, 10 grand a week so they could afford that their wife just sits at home and watches the kids or they could afford the nanny. So when it comes to them not having childcare, they didn't have to ever worry about not having childcare. And I think because it's never probably happened that a club like Reading, it's probably just easier to be that we just have this policy that there's no kids so and that's their answer to it rather than actually... For me, I was a wee bit more disappointed because they never even came and spoke to me. It was just like this email that got put out... Um, General, a general. Yeah, which I felt it was pretty directed at myself, which I thought, if, why, if you, this is about me, then why do we not have a conversation and let me ex, like explain why she's here and see if there's anything that we could do to actually help rather than just kind of shut the door in it. So, 
Um, like I said, I spoke to the PFA. And I think that they've they're now communicating with the CEO and the club to see what solutions there is because they're basically like, no, we're not having that. So, so yeah, hopefully there's a solution that comes to that. This is like the general email makes no sense whatsoever because like you're the only person on the team with the baby. So yeah, so it was like this is exactly like me. And you know what? It's not even the case of like I didn't spend like money on like childcare. Okay, already spent like pay over a thousand pound a month just for three days of the week anyway. So. Do you know what I mean I could understand if they're like every single day I'm taking her in, but it's only on the days when I genuinely can't get anybody to look after her. And like she's not a problem. Like she just comes in and sits there, she's happy as Larry, and I train and I leave again. So, but yeah, I just didn't think that some were quite there to be still quite that, like as a men's game. Sometimes feels like it's still like a men's game and we're just living in it, if that makes sense. Like, hmm. Well, how do the Americans do it? They seem to have it all sorted. They have nannies that come in and will 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 look after players' babies while they train. It depends on yeah. the clubs you're based at. Certain clubs are better. Like I remember Orlando Pride had that, where they had like a traveling nanny. So if there was like an away game or whatever, and players wanted to bring their kids with them, like they would bring the nat, they'd fly the nannies wherever they're going and then they would look after them. And I don't know, they always looked like they were in those sort of like corporate boxes or something along the edges of pitches or else they're in some sort of room within the stadium. Um, but I think it's very dependent about where you're playing. So again, it's awful that it's coming down to money. Yeah. Like there was always those great videos of Sydney LaRue and the photos of her breastfeeding her two kids like at halftime and at the end of matches that she just played because like obviously she had to. And I always just thought they were such great iconic images that should have made more of an impact than they did at the time in terms of clubs sitting up and being like, oh, we need to do more to support the mothers in the game. Because I, f- I feel like there are increasingly more and more players as well choosing to have babies while still in their playing career. I don't know, there's been quite a few the last couple of years between different leagues that I've noticed. I don't know if that's because... They the- should be able to, shouldn't be a, a surprise, shouldn't be an eyebrow raiser, but again... Depends on the club. Yeah. Also, the other thing that they do in the US quite well is they actually talk to players about what they want to do in terms of fertility treatment. So say if a player chooses that they don't want, like it's written into their contracts that they're entitled to, say, freeze eggs or like go through those sort of treatments through the club because obviously you're committing your earlier years, which people say are better to have a child during to the club and to football. So they're like, okay, well, we'll give you more options out the other side so that you're not losing out on anything, which is also an important part of the conversation to have in general, I think. So I don't really think that's a major part in any contracts in the WSL. I think maybe Chelsea, but that might be it. That's really well, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to go over and just play in the US. <laughs> but, no, that just shows you how far, like, far behind it we. I mean, the fact that there's only been someone written into the contracts this year and what year have been, like, 2022 is just mental. Like, that's yeah. crazy. It is. Yeah, it is. I remember um, Katie Chapman, She when she was having her her babies at, at Arsenal, it was just down to the club. And the club were very, very good. Like, they allowed players, kids to come in whenever they wanted to travel. But that was just because it was our manager's decision. And... I did. I never felt other people like if I ha- had had a baby, maybe I wouldn't have got that treatment or another player. It just depends on who the manager wanted to allow that 
to happen. And I just thought that was very unfair as well. Cause, you know, I, players that I played with who, who had fallen pregnant just stopped playing. They just left because it wasn't really an option to come back even, you know, one year contracts all the time. By the time that contract's up, it wouldn't really be renewed or there wouldn't be a discussion. So it has improved a little bit, but not enough, as you say. No, you're literally preventing people from doing their job. Like it goes against any sort of employment law or any like theory behind employment law in the world. Like if it was any other role and you were literally felt like the best thing you can do is drop out, then that's just not how it should be operating. Like, I don't know. Um, do you feel like it's a sort of thing that, I know you said that if you're at like a Chelsea or an Arsenal or a City, there probably are those sort of um, supports in place and not so much of the Reading. Do you think this should be much more centralized to like the FA and the WSL with them saying, okay, here's our contract policy. Uh, we have this fund in place to help support clubs that need it to make sure that players get everything they want. Because I know like in international organizations that work with players, they've all said like FIFA Pro and stuff, these players need to be given much better support than what they're getting right now. I think like when it comes to stuff like that, like there just needs to be right. So if she's pregnant, she needs to have some like a physio that basically leads her whole like pre and postnatal like rehab, like whether that's going to be like a consultant at the club stuff to get in or you've got to go and see, then that's got to be just like the basic care. Cause if you've done your ACL, you wouldn't know have a physio. Do you know what I mean? So, like, stuff like that, I just feel like that because there's no actual... They've basically made a policy that just talks about money and as if, like, they've been like, well, we'll just make sure that she's covered for 14 weeks after she's had her kid, then, like, that's us played her part, and the rest of the clubs and you could just support her in whichever way you see fit. Then clubs then are going, sitting and saying, thinking, well, what does that even look like? Like, how do we actually support somebody that's had a baby, like, who's pregnant and having a baby to get back? So... I don't know, like, I just, yeah, like, I feel like now, like, I'm not sure if I would have a baby again. I think I'll probably wait until I'm finished playing now to have our next one just because there's still so much barriers to overcome that I'm not sure that how much it would be worth actually doing again, then especially having two. Do you imagine I couldn't get childcare for two kids or couldn't allow two of them to come in? Like, it would just be a nightmare. Yeah, I think that's really sad because, again, you will be the kind of blueprint and people will be like oh she found it really difficult maybe I'll wait and then they don't have the options like Kathleen said of, of having their eggs frozen supported in that way so yeah it's it's disappointing I suppose hopefully it'll change in the near future but it needs to be very near yeah you need to have like five more Innises and give yeah. one to me one to Karen one to Karen <laughs> <laughs> I mean, life is absolutely adorable. I would, if I was closer, I would definitely be offering my babysitting services right now. But sadly, I, I did. She she refused me. I don't know why. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I could hear her like in the background somewhere. She's crying, or she was crying. Tell tell Ivan to do his job. Shout down to him. <laughs> job. What time's that? <laughs> Ivan, she going in the bath? Hi. She going in the bar? Why no? <laughs> you know like this is giving our listeners a proper insight into yeah. everything. Huh? <laughs> is she not going in? The Emma's just boss. Uh, Emma's the boss, right? It's so obvious. She's the 100%. boss. 
That's I what. Feel like that's just a general thread with this podcast and people called Emma. We had we had three today alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting bullied. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma, then what was it like on the national setup side? Because obviously you're not with them as much, but you still. I saw a very nice video of you bringing us into camp with you when you went back. Um, I mean, I never had to, like, when I found out that I was pregnant, I actually think I was pregnant the last time that I played with the national team because I remember playing and thinking, oh, my God, it feels so bad. Um, That was whenever that was. Then, obviously, I announced I was pregnant then, so they knew that I wasn't going to come back. But then Pedro had phoned me just before the last qualifiers in September asking me if I was wanting to be... I was like, well... I'm back playing and stuff like that. It's up to you if you want to select me. But if that's the case, then and this has to come, which the SFA and that never had really any qualms about saying no to. But I think because obviously like FIFA Prof came in and said all oh, this stuff that if they want to travel, that you have to make sure that they've, they've got somebody on board. Then I was able to bring a nanny in and this was able to come like absolutely no problem. Um, so that was good. It was really nice being back with the girls, obviously. Like, and I just love being there. The girls love having in a say there as well. So just a wee bit difficult in the travel days and stuff, like trying to get through the airport and stuff where like you literally had to take so much things like a car seat, your pram, a suitcase, like the nappy stuff, like literally like that was quite difficult. Like trying to do that, some of the flights on the back on the way back by myself and that. But um no, like the SFA was really accommodating to be fair. Like they'd make sure that like my nanny would had like her own room and I mean it's not like any really extra cost when it comes to food because they make so much food anyway that you just make a little bowl for an S. But um no, like it was fine, like it was good, it was enjoyable being back and like it just obviously saves a lot of hassle knowing that I didn't have to get a babysitter for like 10 days. That makes sense. Not only is it going to cost you a pretty penny, like it is a long time to be away. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't even leave my dogs for 10 days. I can't <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. And actually I've said that to Ivan, I'm like, I guess you never really think about it for like the dad's side of it, like because I would hate it if he was to go and take us away for like 10 days but like he's just like oh well I'm like well she's coming so he doesn't really get a choice in that <laughs> so it must be quite hard for him as well when because they change so quickly as well like especially like when they're so young that 10 days away must be quite hard for my life and <laughs> <laughs> he's alright he's fine <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this evening. It's been a really, really interesting chat. And I feel like you've got all three of us fired up now to go and fight the FA over this issue. Um, but best of luck with it and best of luck with the rest of the season as well. Oh, thanks very much. That's all for today's episode. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports is in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will be back with you next week with all the WSL action from the opening weekend after the break. Um, some very big ones. Arsenal, Chelsea in particular is going to be a, a great setting and uh, lots of tickets already sold for that one. So expect a seller crowd and lots of great action on the pitch. But until then, we will see you next week. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.